What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the 2022 season of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Ben and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Drew. Thanks Ben. Each episode we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Drew and I will sample beer from Taylor, Nebraska's bootleg brewers Sandhills Brewing Company, react to the Minnesota game, Raise a glass to the north with a Michigan sportsman sip and preview Nebraska's matchup against the Wolverines. I'm Ben. And I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. Drew, I think it's it's our duty to start this episode with some good news. How, how, what do you think? I think that would be great because I haven't gotten a lot recently, <laughs> especially uh, yesterday. So A couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we teased that we had some exciting things coming down the pipeline um, for how this podcast was going to continue to evolve and what we were going to do leading into next season. And, and we had a few things in the works, and we were able to finalize a pretty big deal i think a pretty big announcement it is yeah so we are officially joining the herdat network we are going to be a part of herdat sports we are going to be one of the podcasts that is available through herdat and uh yeah just excited for that yeah kind of just a that opportunity just a woo you know like (laughs) (laughs) it's a a pretty cool win um there's going to be a little bit of change going on to our podcast in that we are going to bring ads into play uh, that's simply part of the Herdat agreement is they're, they're out here to try and share the message and get this out there. But Drew and I had a long talk about why we were going to go about making this change and why we were going to go about joining this network. And the reason we started the podcast in the beginning, you know, we, we tell the anecdote anytime anyone asks, which is how did this podcast start? And it was me going to you saying, let's do a Nebraska football podcast. And you said no. And I said, but each episode, we're going to drink a different Nebraska brewery. And you said, I'm in. Yeah. It's always been about bringing attention to Nebraska craft brewers because it's a community that we absolutely love. It's one that we take advantage of nonstop. It's one that's opened its arms and its doors to us and just welcomed us in um, for no reason whatsoever. I mean, just <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's true. They yeah. were, they were very yeah. We've run into a lot of very generous and welcoming uh, folks throughout the state, and so this is a this is just another opportunity to hopefully spread that word further and, and engage with. Uh, more people and get more people aware of what Nebraska craft brewing has to offer. Yeah. So the content they told us doesn't have to change, which was a, Hey, that's, yeah, we can still be ourselves, which is, 
I don't know, for better or worse. You wanted us? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, we're happy to, to be that. So we're going to get to continue to sample beers from across the state. We're going to continue to bring our unique brand of Husker Insight uh, to the microphones and, and to the masses and just share what we have uh, as far as love goes for this state. It's football. It's craft beer. It's small business. It's these players. It's everything that we have to do. And her dad's going to help us just amplify that message and, and, and bring a different voice in sports media. They're, yep. they're looking to kind of have a, have a tiny revolution, a big, rev- I don't know how you want to describe it, where they want to just give alternative programming for people who are looking for Husker football content mm-hmm. and they consider us alternative. So <laughs> <laughs> it is who it is and what it is. So we're very excited to be joining the herd at network. We're very excited to be a part of that, uh, that group and to blast this podcast out as far as it can go. Yeah, And I guess we should thank people who, who listen for, for continuing to encourage us and sending us kind messages and, and letting us be us. And, and uh, yeah, that's what got us this far. So yeah, hopefully we can keep on trucking. Yeah. And, and with that, we should then talk about a new Nebraska brewery that we haven't featured on the show yet. And that is the Bootleg Brewers Sandhills Brewing Company. It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. <laughs> and there's a reason behind it. And I, and I learned this reason in doing my research. And I want to just give credit straight out of the gate to the Sandhills Brewing Company's website. Their About Us is a very detailed About Us that, that talked about their entire journey. And so I took uh, a lot of this information from that website and put together a nice little story for us. Excellent. Without further ado, in 1978, Ron Worm received an invitation from his father-in-law, Charlie, that proved Ron was truly part of the family. Charlie asked Ron to help him brew beer. As we talked about last week, ingredients were difficult to come by in the 70s and 80s, so their beer was made from blue ribbon malt and bread yeast purchased at the grocery store. Ron and Charlie lovingly called their finished product Musketeer Beer, not because they were fans of the Alexander Dumas classic, but because it was so musky it brought tears to their eyes. (laughs) It was bad, but they drank it anyways because, you know, beer. That's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Brewing became Ron's most enjoyed hobby, a welcome break from his work as a rancher, a railroad, <laughs> a railroad foreman, a construction worker, and a logger. This guy, Jesus, I, I know, yeah. I know. I thought my job was hard. <laughs> no. Eventually, Ron was called home to Nebraska from North Carolina when his father, Guy, needed help on the ranch. Ron continued logging locally while working on the ranch, while also continuing to brew in his downtime. In the fall of 2000, Ron founded Crawdad Fest. Some would call it a holiday. Others call it the perfect occasion to cook up crawdads and drink Ron's homebrew. As ingredients became easier to acquire, Ron brewed a batch of all-grain beer. Armed with his homemade wart chiller and sparge kit, Ron and his friend Kevin went to work in his wife Dottie's kitchen, brewing the first batch of all-grain beer. Now, real quick, just as an aside, can you tell me what a sparge kit is? Uh, a sparge is, is a part of the process where during the mash, you run water back over the mash, and it, like, draws a lot of the sugars off of those grains. Okay. And so you're just recirculating uh, water at a certain temp. So I remember when we brewed with divots, we kind of boiled off that mash to a point to where it was like less water than we thought we were going to get out of it. And then that sparge is where we got our water level back up. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah and, you're, and yeah, you're adding more water into it, but you're doing it in a very particular way. 
um, where the water is spread out over the mash so it doesn't like just drive straight down and create these like channels. Oh, right. So that's what that little kind of like rainfall-y yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it is like you, a, it's yeah. like a rainfall. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, Ron made one of his of his own. Nice. The experience I have with it is is brewing with you. With you've got like a piece of pipe that you kind of yeah. We made one look like a yeah. copper pipe. Yeah. yeah, cool. So Ron continued to queek, queek. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's been a it's been a weekend. We haven't even really started drinking yet. No, so. we have. Well, Oof. I mean, it's more a continuation <laughs> by this point. <laughs> I am working on uh, a coffee and bourbon cream recipe in the mornings on the weekend. So oh, nice, you know. Anyways, Ron continued to tweak and adjust his all-grain recipe, and soon Bootleg's Klingon was born. Klingon got its name because of the large amount of grains required to make this tasty brew, which also increased the ABV to about 7%. Easy drinking and high in alcohol can sneak up on you, and before you know it, you're looking for someone or something to cling on to. Nice. So not a Star Trek reference, just a trying to stand upright <laughs> reference. And Klingon, I should note, is one of my dad's favorite beers. One of my dad's favorite Nebraska beers. It's a really oh, nice wheat beer. Yeah. Really smooth, really easy drinker. That's mm-hmm. that was my first introduction as well to bootleg. A seven percent wheat beer. Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't drink like seven percent. Wow, it's just it's easy drinking. Yeah. When word got out about Ron and his beer, people would show up at their ranch for a sip. Now, Ron and Dottie, a pair of honest to goodness Midwesterners, would stop what they were doing and make sure their guests were well fed and had a cold beer in hand. In two thousand one, Ron founded his own brew club. Bootleg Brewers. So there's where the first half of his brewery's okay. name comes from. It's his brewing club. It was the perfect excuse to move from a 10-gallon to a 40-gallon brew system and eventually to the 20-barrel system he brews on today. In the fall of 2015, Ron's hobby took its final bow. Ron would no longer brew in his downtime. But don't get too sad for Ron because in 2015, Ron became a professional brewer when he opened his own brewery known as Bootleg Brewers Sandhills Brewing Company in Taylor, Nebraska. Ron continues to brew the flagship Klingon while also supplying the masses with a robust English brown known as Muddy Duck, Sand Hills Ale, Cream Ale, and the appropriately named jalapeno beer, Ass Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I had to get into this description, come hell or high water. They also do multiple variations of Ass Blaster, and if you drink a flight, you get a shirt that says, Flight of the Asses. <laughs> This is why we love craft beer. I love it, yes. So come and visit Ron and Dottie when you get a chance. Ron makes a good beer and Dottie makes a great meal. You may want to take a tour of the brewery and stay a couple days in their cabins too. However short or long you stay, it is certain you will have a good time. And that is the history and the story behind um, Bootleg Brewer Sandhills Brewing Company. Phenomenal. So in front of us, we have Naked Orange Stinger, which is a fruit beer. Drew, what are your first impressions of this beer as we've taken a couple of sips in? What are you what are you getting from this beer? Um, getting a lot of that orange. A lot of that citrus is coming through. Um, the the beer itself, like, really, to me, gets out of the way to allow that fruit to come and, like, shine in this beer. And I'm not, I don't uh, drink a lot of fruit beers. I'm really unfamiliar with um, what they are and, <laughs> like, what they're supposed to be about. They seem self-explanatory, but um, but I really like this one. It's It's super easy to drink. Um, which seems to be a theme of uh, of bootleggers is yep. if they find you know recipes that you can just kind of put down pretty quickly mm-hmm. um, and enjoy it. So I like this one. I love the I love the citrus flavor on it. Yeah, what I what I like about it and what I, what I would guess you are a fan of is it, it it has a lot of similar notes of a sour without going into the sour territory. Yeah, right. Like 
when you're drinking a sour beer, you do get a lot of that fruit flavor, but then you're immediately hit by those sour notes that can be off-putting to some folks right. uh, and enjoyed by others, mm-hmm. you, me, <laughs> respectively. But this this really does just let that citrus kind of shine, and there's a very minor multi backbone. But like you said, that was a great description. It just gets out of the way and lets that fruit come through. Um, drinks almost like a soda, like a light, but not, not a heavy sugary soda, just mm-hmm. like a real crispy sort of refresher just real real nice yeah it's got a really great sweetness to it and i want to be careful when i say like the the beer gets out of the way because that makes it seem like it's not providing anything yeah but it's like the maltiness gets out of the way it's it's it yeah it doesn't it um it doesn't come through strong and overwhelm or throw things out of balance i think it keeps it well balanced um but it leans towards that sweet fruity citrus yeah so awesome very enjoyable well that is our introduction to bootleg um, I was able to find them at local in Millard and uh, I've been able to find a lot of their beers there. Actually, they do a good job of cycling through what bootleg has available. Uh, I'm going to, I know I'm going to keep my eyes open for if that, that muddy duck comes through you know, yeah. again, we're, we're yep. fans of those English Browns and of, of that style of beer. And this podcast has taught us, uh, try the cream ale if any brewer's doing a cream <laughs> ale. So yes. if, if we see the Sandhills ale come through too, that's another one that I'll definitely keep an eye out for and, and try and snag. I'm going to take my glasses off for this. I just don't want to see your disappointment and your sadness. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about game six of the World Series. Yeah. And no. <laughs> I, uh, let's talk about Nebraska-Minnesota. N- neither of those sound good. <laughs> I'm so heartbroken. That was a rough, that was the one of the roughest Saturdays I've had in a long time. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. That was one where you felt like, man, if Nebraska just keeps on doing what they're doing, Minnesota doesn't have an answer. Yeah. But it turns out Nebraska doesn't keep doing what they're doing. Nope. And Minnesota has an answer, and it's a guy who spells Nathan wrong. Turns out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even ever figure out what the, what their quarterback's last name is. It, it sounded it, it sounded very Greek. I thought his last name was his first and last name, just <laughs> yeah. in the length. And then they started calling him Athan, and I was like, I gotta oh. look this up. Is this guy a tiny bug that eats crops? <laughs> like, no, that's an aphid. Like, what is this? Who is this guy? Yeah. Where do you want to start? Um, Where, you, should we start? You want to talk offense, defense, or do you want to talk like half to half? Because I feel like it's a tale of two halves the way that this game played out. It really was. Yeah, we can. Let's try it. Let's try it that way. Let's okay. try. Let's talk about the first half first. I have no notes. I'm going purely on memory, and I did make myself rewatch. Nice. So Okay, I have too many notes. Okay. Um, I did not make myself rewatch at all. Uh, a lot of it is just burned into my brain anyway, so okay. it's a sad highlight reel running through there. It's like the film Wild Wild West, where they hypothesize <laughs> that the last thing you see before you die is ingrained into your head, and if you shine a flashlight through the back of your head, it will project your murderer. <laughs> Anybody out there see the movie Wild Wild West? No. What? Yeah. I know what movie. It's Will Smith, right? Will Smith, Kevin Klein. And it's supposed Ke- to be terrible. Kenneth Branagh? Yeah. Well, I mean, how terrible can it be if it has sound science like that? <laughs> oh, man. All right, no, but are... So what they do is they take a guy's <laughs> head who's been murdered, and they're trying to find the murderer, and they shine a flashlight through the back of his head. But then when the, when the, yeah. when the image projects, it's upside down because your retinas invert okay, the so image. Okay, so it's scientifically So correct. they rotate this head, and uh-huh. now it's showing... The thing. Okay. So. If we could shine a flashlight into Mark Whipple's head <laughs> to find out what the what he's thinking. Okay, so let's dive in. Okay. I uh, by, Okay, before we do dive in. Yeah. I do want to say my mom reverse psychologyed me 
and okay. I don't think she meant to. Um, but she, we were, she, I was telling her about the, about her dad, we were joining her dad and, um, and she, she listens to the show, uh, maybe not every episode, but she'll, she'll catch on every once in a while. She said that, she said one of the things she appreciates is that we don't swear too much. We swear a little bit, but not gratuitously. Which episodes has she handpicked? And, <laughs> and I, yeah, that caught me off guard and I was like, I'm pretty sure I, I throw out a lot of F-bombs and, but, and she, she didn't seem to be bothered by it, which was nice. Um, but I am now bothered by it after oh, she okay. said something. And so it's like a reverse psychology. She, she said, Hey, you guys don't swear too much. And I thought to myself, yes, we do. Yeah. And now I think, but you did I, just pump I, the brakes. I noticed I did, that you yeah. were going to throw one out there. I was going to throw one out there, but now I'm so aware of it. Well, hi, Kathy. Um, so I'm going to try to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am going to try to get through this episode without throwing out any, uh, little F bombs. Not, probably not big not ones. The, <laughs> yeah. Not the best episode to try it on, but here we go. Okay. So the first half. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska comes out of the gates. Uh-huh. They have a great opening drive. Yep. Um, Anthony Grant had what, like 60 yards rushing on that first drive or something insane yeah. like that. Um, we get off to a 10 nothing lead. I felt like that was one of the keys to beating Minnesota was make them play from behind because it's yeah. going to throw them off of their game plan. Our defense was shutting them down, looking great. Yeah. Um, we go into halftime with a 10 nothing lead and then it flips. It completely flips. Yeah. Um, it was the first time in what thirty-two straight games that Minnesota came back from a ten-point deficit. Yeah, so. absolutely. A real, a real heartbreaking thing to have announcers say because as soon as they said it, you went, "Well, this game's over." <laughs> right? Hey, we're good at breaking those records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as they don't put in their backup quarterback, we'll be fine. <laughs> so oh, in, that, in that first half, right out of the gate, what I really liked about the game plan on offense was we're going to run the ball. Yeah. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to be the aggressors. Minnesota's probably expecting us to try and scheme against them. And Nebraska's scheme was, no, we're going to run it down your throats and you got to stop us. Yeah. And it was working. Grant was running with that kind of aggression, but there were gaps. That yeah, he was first getting... run, he wasn't really touched yeah. until he got tackled. I'd say he had the longest, I think the longest play the, of the offense all day was that very first play, Yeah, I believe. So, um, yeah, the, the O-line was doing a great job getting him holes. I thought, you know, I thought Purdy started off really, really great. And, but I think a part of that is because he was running the ball effectively too. Yeah. And so I don't think Minnesota was accounting for that going into this game that, that Purdy would necessarily use his legs. You know, we as, we as fans of Nebraska think of Logan Smothers as the running quarterback and Purdy is more of the uh, guy that's just going to stand there and throw it. So yeah, it, it felt like they had a really good game plan going into it. Um, they were executing and then something happened and I don't know what exactly happened, but, but it just completely fell off, fell off the rails. I obviously don't have an insight into Mark Whipple's head. I don't have a flashlight pointed on the back of it to show me his, his game script. But what it appeared to be was that once we got the 10 point lead, Whipple was like, okay, now I can start showing off this offense. Now I can start dialing it into what I'm more comfortable with and and how I manage a game. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was anything that was like. He wasn't trying to go behind anyone's back or anything like that. He was just like, okay, now we've got a lead. Let me get into my pocket. Let me get to where I'm comfortable. And that comfort level deteriorated very quickly with six three and outs in a row Mm -hmm. and then an interception. 
And when you when you watch the way that even the running game evolved, Nebraska went from being the aggressors to now trying to trick Minnesota into Nebraska running the ball, where they had those delayed handoffs. I that hated was like, those. They were so. I, aggr- we've already jumped mm, to the second half. But, <laughs> I almost but, did it. But, but that's to where that to me is is the huge difference maker, right? And that's a mindset thing, in my opinion, where you're coming out as the offensive line, a, a group that has struggled. Just looking at the numbers, you don't even have to look at film. Just look at the numbers, and and this group has struggled to defend against you know the pass rush they've they've struggled to really make gaps and let running backs go and they're being effective against this Minnesota team and then you start calling plays where they're no longer the aggressors now they're sitting back and they're having to rely on you know the pass protection even when it's a schemed run and so now no longer are they creating gaps now they're trying to just decoy and hold up and it doesn't work Minnesota's too good Right. They're too good at getting into the backfield. They're too good at their defensive line getting back there. So you have to keep them on their heels. But when you let them come downhill at you, you know, that's that's why those that run game was not effective. Yeah. And and it I didn't I didn't understand why they moved to that. And it was even more frustrating because Minnesota um, at the same time, they adjusted in the second half on offense. They had to, obviously, because they had a new quarterback. But they adjusted to the play action, um, and it was super effective for them. They they got their running go, game going on the play action, uh, whereas Nebraska did the opposite and was doing the delayed handoffs. And you do delayed handoffs when, you know, I think when the team is expecting, the defense is expecting the pass. Um, but we weren't passing the ball effectively. Right. At all, they could we were, sell out against it. And so, and 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 Minnesota is not a, a team that that gives up big time explosive passing plays like they feel very comfortable in their secondary so um and 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 then like you said their their d-line uh was going above and beyond um in this game to generate pressure to get into the backfield they were doing a lot better than they normally do um against other teams and so it was just this it was just it was unusual when you have so much success just handing the ball off letting your offense you know the line make the push forward um, let Anthony Grant create his yards. He's he had some really great runs where he showed incredible balance, breaking tackles, bouncing off of guys, hitting his holes. Just, it, it's it was so simple, and Minnesota was surprisingly letting us have those simple rushes uh, right out of the gate. And yeah, and we just switched. We we switched, and I think it's it's it probably has something to do with what you said uh, with with Mark Whipple, um, maybe falling back on on what he knows best. And I think also. I think he wanted to show, you know, that he was right, that Purdy's the guy. Um, he wanted to showcase Purdy. He wants to showcase his quarterbacks. He wants to, you know, do all of that. Um, and it didn't go well. And I think that's unfortunate, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> that's a that's, really nice way of yeah, putting it. I'm, I'm trying to, again, trying to uh, restrain. I, it's unfortunate for Purdy to be put in yeah, that situation, absolutely. too. I don't blame Purdy for this, right? Because he was having success running the offense that that they were running right out of the gate he was doing well he had opportunities to scramble he had opportunities to highlight himself yeah. they could have called more simple plays there were a couple of of screen opportunities that that they could have taken a couple of those long third downs i'm thinking like why don't you run a screen they're expecting like they the, a week before they dial up this beautiful screen for brewington where it's it's unexpected right and it's mm-hmm. it's it's something that just gashes the team, the uh, Illinois, it gashed Illinois. And he had, he had the lead blockers out in front of him. It, yeah. It was you, there great. was none of that. There was like, it always mm-hmm. feels like the wrong creativity. 
Yes. Like we're, we're, it's like that worked last week, so we can't touch that again. As opposed to like, why don't we run the shit that works until they stop it? Yeah. Don't assume, don't play defense for the defense. It, they, they, it's, they saw what was successful against Minnesota, and it's like they preemptively adjusted. Like, okay, Minnesota's going to adjust to us doing this, so we better beat them to it. And, it. and it feels more so like, no, Minnesota adjusted on offense and was like, our defense is going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have to change a whole lot because, one, our receivers did not have a great, a great day. Nobody really shined, um, and and part of that was the pressure. But the other part of that, there were a lot of drops. Lot of there drops. were a lot of hands on balls that should have been brought in, and and you know, they're amateurs. At the end of the day, these guys are amateurs. Whether they get paid or not, they're still amateur players. They're not being paid specifically to play the game. They're paid for their name, image, and likeness. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to have drops. You've got to be able to succeed outside of. Of Min- that and uh, and Minnesota didn't have to do anything. No, well, and they had Minnesota had a lot of drops on there and too big ones too. Yeah, big drops. Um, you know, automatic easy first downs, wide open guys that could have gone maybe even further. Um, so that that to me was a wash. I think also, um, you know, to to take some of the I guess heat off of the receivers in that sense too is they were they were getting balls over the middle in double coverage. Um, you know, the deep ball was underthrown mostly by Purdy. I feel like he's really struggled to get the ball downfield. Um, well, when it comes not- out of your hand and it looks like a hexagon <laughs> flying through the air, yeah, it's, it's a not going to for disaster. It's not going to get to your receiver. This is, and this is where this is where why I put a lot of the blame on Whipple. Yes, aside from it's easy just to blame the old coach. Um, and you and you, I personally just try to think like, okay, how do I not attack players? Is it because you think he but Whipple can't figure I, out how to listen to a podcast? <laughs> yeah. You know what, uh, Bill Bush does obviously because the defense did exactly what I told them to do. Yeah, and he and Whipple didn't. Um, no, Whipple Whipple doesn't seem to adjust his play calling to his quarterbacks. He seems almost incapable of that because he was asking Purdy to do what Casey Thompson is good at doing. Mm-hmm. Casey Thompson is really great at throwing those deep balls. He's really great at hitting guys on those crossing routes over the middle. Um, Casey Thompson is uh, a lot, he's just a lot more mature, has more experience, and so he's able to keep his eyes downfield when there's all that pe- pressure being generated on those pass plays. Purdy's not that quarterback. They're not the same quarterback. Um, so whether Whipple thinks that Purdy is the guy that can operate his system in the future or not doesn't matter because we're not in the future. We're right now. Right. Um, and the same with Logan. I think that's why he's so reluctant to put Logan in because Logan has a different skill set. And even I know though, you. <laughs> oh my God. Even though Logan, Logan looked great, looked in- incredible. He had, he was, he looked great throwing the ball. He had that beautiful dime to Marcus Washington right on the sideline. Just kudos amazing. to Washington on that catch. Beautiful catch. Put in. Um, but yeah, so it, it, all around, I, I, I put a lot of blame on Mark Whipple and, and his, in-game adjustments, his inability to um, adjust his overall scheme to his quarterbacks. I think that, you know, you putting the blame on Whipple, and and I also, I don't want to be like, you're on an island there, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way. I I feel like Whipple um, had a a lot to do with the offense stalling after having success early on. It didn't feel like Minnesota stopped what we were doing. We stopped what we were doing. Like you said, preemptively, they were – they were like, okay, we, we've got to adjust now that we've had success. I think that this is a, a big knock against Nicky. I think that him not being able to take the reins from his offensive coordinator and say, we need to stick to X, Y, and Z. When he did his halftime um, 
press conference on the radio. I was listening to it. on. I was going in between uh, my in-laws and, and coming back home at half, which, fine, blame me for changing locations when we were <laughs> doing fun. My mother-in-law did when I when I got home. She was like, you should have stayed. I was like, my kids were so loud, and you were offering to watch them. <laughs> but Mickey said, we've got to get back to running the ball. We've got to get back to running the ball. And so I was expecting a heavy dose of that power run that we saw right out of the gate. I was expecting a heavy dose of feed Grant, make it work. If anything, get, you know, get four yards, get four yards, get a first down, get four yards, get four yards, get a first down, get four yards, get stalled, throw the ball, you know, and like keep chipping away and play Minnesota's game, run out the clock. Let's, let's do that. I was expecting to see that and we didn't get it right. We just saw Whipple ball mm-hmm. and it, it, it was wildly ineffective and Minnesota was playing with a new aggression, and they're like, "Hey, you're letting, you're giving us the time to get to your guy. Well, we, we're just going to send three guys then. We're going to drop everyone back because we know you can't defend a pass rush. So if that's how you're going to run the ball is with a pass rush or, or with with pass protection, and that's how you're going to throw the ball, buddy, we're yeah. about to eat. <laughs> like we're about to sit down and, and have some offensive line beef jerky. Like yeah. speaking we, of which, which we have we have some way. to sample. We'll later. get into that, but." Yeah, it, it was just one of those things. And, and so I was really disappointed because I was like, man, I, I, I thought after last week we would see Mickey take control. And instead what we saw was Whipple continuing to run his offense until it was too late and you only gave Smothers, what, two series? You got two drives at the end. Two drives where one came up with points mm-hmm. and one came pretty damn close. Yeah. Right? And if, yeah. if he wasn't under pressure, if he didn't have a ticking clock and we had maybe a timeout left, I bet you he runs for that first down. I bet you he doesn't try and force that pass. He might have been worried about the clock in that situation. That's what I'm saying is if, if he's more concerned with like just getting down and scoring and like keep keep getting first downs, mm-hmm. if he had a little bit more comfort in the game, one, we may not have been in that position, but two, he might have had a little bit more confidence to get the first get out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, in the post game, he said, I think Logan said he, he only saw three or four yards in front of him, which is a skill set that I don't yeah. even think I can have as a human to be like, no, if that guy runs this way and I run that way, they're like, I got three yards. If, if you're what he does, he has a linebacker in front of yeah. him, right? Pushing him towards the sideline. Um, and then, and then you have the, the corners and the safeties over there who are manning up on your, your receivers. And so, yeah, if you're, if you, I mean, you're trying to calculate in that moment, trying to like find, find wait for your guy to get open. Cause you do want to throw the ball there. Um, or you're expecting it. That's what you're planning on. Um, I can I can see from his perspective how he doesn't see run the ball right. Even though as you're watching it from home, it's like it from the get go. It's like just run run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run right. please for the love of God, just run the ball. Yeah. The the problem that I have though is is Logan's gonna get flack for that from people who are just quick to say who was in at the end, and and how did they not succeed? But you can't expect a kid who's been given limited snaps, who's been given limited game time this season, who was basically put out there and told, better go win us the game, to, to not try and win the game in that moment. To yeah. not see like, okay, this is my third down, I got one more try after this, but if I can make something happen, like we've got a really good shot, right? We can yeah. steal this momentum back. So uh, it, it was disappointing to, to have to see, and, and I've been fighting for Logan all season, right? Like I really think he could have been an asset. I think someone could have gotten in Whipple's ear and been like, hey, he's a skill set that we could bring in to steal a touchdown every game or that we could move the ball when, when things are stagnant and then you can put Casey or your passer back in. If you mix that in, he's got an arm. The dude can throw. I don't yes. understand the argument of there's passes he can't make. 
Right. Well, where the fuck are they? Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> where, what throw can't he make? Right. It's, it's just, it's so frustrating on, on that front. So I, I give a lot of credit to this offense continuing to fight and, and trying to make the most out of what they were being told to do, but they were being successful in that first half and they just didn't go back to it. And, and yeah, that's 100% on your offensive coordinator. And I think that's also a ding on your head coach saying, go back to what was it is working. It, it, I yeah. almost threw another one out there, that's but a, I did. <laughs> no, it's, it's easy to get caught up in this because yeah. it, it, it is frustrating. And it's, this is the second game in a row where, where your head coach says something going into the half and they come out and don't do what the head coach says they're going to do. Um, you know, last week it was, you know, Logan Smothers is going to come out and be the quarterback and he wasn't the quarterback. Right. So there's a, there's a whipple over right there. And then this week it's, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we need to come back out and start running the ball game. They don't do that. Yeah. Um, they had, they had 14 carries for 91 yards. Grant did, I guess. 14 carries for 91 yards in the first half. Most of those coming on those first two drives. He had seven carries after halftime for 24 yards. Yeah. So he got, he got half as many carries. Yeah. And they were playing with, they were still playing with the lead because they was up 10 nothing, and I know Minnesota came out and they got their field goal right off the bat. Whatever. You're still playing with the lead. Yeah. It, it it's it's yeah, it it does fall back on Mickey in that in that moment to to not say, hey, like we we need to do what I want to do. This is what's working. I see this. This is my vision. Yeah. Like you're the offensive coordinator. Yes, you get to coordinate and call plays. Here's how I want you to do that. Sure. Um same with same with Purdy not working out. Like again, he's not being put in a position to succeed. You have Logan, who's a very capable guy, um, who I think showed that on those last two drives. Why are we waiting? Why are we? Why do we have to go six three and outs in a row and end it with that huge interception? Yeah, game. I mean, to make it a two possession game, game before, ender, right before we throw in another quarterback. Yeah, another quarterback who was your number two when Casey got injured. Like I, it's not a huge gap between two and three, right? I, I it, yeah. I, uh, mom, <laughs> I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to say it so bad. I, it, it's frustrating. It is so frustrating to see this this team, these kids, um, come out and and look so good, um, because that speak to me. That speaks to here's this team. Uh, they know what position they're in. They've only got three wins on this season. They're they're going into Minnesota. Who Minnesota's still fighting for a, for a chance to win the West. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska ha- is is on thin ice when it comes to bowl eligibility. They have every reason to throw in the towel. They're playing without their their starting quarterback. Um, they got rocked by Illinois, you know, and really struggled. Some star players really struggled in that game. They came out and f- and <laughs> I almost did it. They came out and fought. Um, they prepared all week. Like they very clearly are still invested and they're working their tails off. And for, for them to show that, that initial burst, that initial success and have it pay off, all of our hard work pays off right out of the gates. Awesome. And then for your coaches to go and muck it up, uh, so badly, um, for, for over a half of football is frustrating from, from my perspective as a fan for those players. Yeah. That's that. I mean, I couldn't have said it better. That's where my heart falls to is like, man, these kids are giving, they're giving us as a fan base, everything to root for. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it's difficult when you're now nine games in, you're seeing the same struggles you've seen for the past five years. Yeah. It's five years. Right. We had yeah. one nine win season that if, if you would have held Thanks, it, Mike Riley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys remember when we were seven and oh, yeah, no, holy cow. All yeah. right. Yeah. But, but like, 
it's so hard in these seasons to continue week after week to find hope and to to find that fight. And yet these kids continue to do it. They're the ones putting themselves on the line. They're the ones putting themselves out there. They're the names that people know. Nobody gives a shit who we are. <laughs> Kathy, sorry. <laughs> I got to apologize now every time. <laughs> I'm telling you, she knows what she's doing. We're gonna, we're she's gonna have to get a written letter from from Bootleg too for naming of <laughs> putting ass in one of their beers. <laughs> the name ass. I shouldn't say that they're putting ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. So defense, defense, defense was twenty great. twenty points. Holding a team to twenty points should win you a game. You know. 11 times out of 12, yeah. especially when, especially when you you've got offensive weapons. Well, yeah, that too. But when you've got offensive weapons like like Mickey's brought in uh, through his recruiting these, this past year, when you've got guys like Anthony Grant who can run the ball, when you've got you know uh, tight ends who are going to go in the draft, uh, at least Vokalek will, you know, you've, you've got some real serious talent on this offense, and we should be able to score points, and yet 20 points isn't enough to hold a team to – Man, it's just another week where it's a testament to Bill Bush and what he's doing. Yeah. Um, I had a stat. I should have pulled this up, you know, before, um, while you were talking, and I don't know why I didn't. You so were just, I'm just going to continue to delay until it's I find I, it. It's because I it took is. my glasses off and you were mesmerized. Yeah, that was it, yeah. By my baby grace. twinkle in your eyes. So the first four games, Nebraska gave up 35.5 points a game, um, 234 rushing yards a game, and they were allowing other offenses to convert over 50% of the time. In the, in the last four games prior to Minnesota, so when Bill Push took over, 25.8 points per game. So it's a full 10 points less, 147 rushing yards, almost 100 yards less on the ground. Um, and offenses were only converting 34.4% of the time on yeah. this defense. And that, and that held true in this game against Minnesota. Um, you know, when you're, you're facing a team that, you know, they're not fully healthy. They're, they're still missing Chris Ottman-Bell. Um, but they've got Mo Ibrahim, who's been absolutely stellar despite being injured. He's running on a bum ankle, and he's still going off for over 100 and some odd yards a game, um, tearing it up. Uh, Tanner Morgan's a good game manager. Obviously, they have a backup quarterback that's more than capable of coming in and um, not just managing a game, but taking control and, and helping a team win. Um, yeah, our, our defense has really turned a corner, and you're seeing guys like, I think, Farmer and, and Buford back there and, and Malcolm Hartzog, um, you're seeing that secondary solidify, um, and they're playing a lot better. Um, we've had some tough games against really great running backs, but I don't think that we completely blew it against these guys. There's there's never been a, a singular play where you're like, wow, the defense fell apart on that, right? There hasn't been any big gashes or, or, or big chunk yardage on the ground. There's been mm-hmm. some big pass plays, right, which is bound to happen when you take shots. But as far as the run defense, is, it's been solid. And some of the stuff that was going on yesterday that Bush had schemed with, like the fact that they were only playing with like one defensive lineman and they were like, okay, you know, we know we can't get past this offensive line just with our our pass rush or our defensive line, we're gonna bring in some athletes now, and we're mm-hmm. gonna we're just gonna bull rush you, or we're gonna yeah. twist on you, and we're gonna throw these stunts at you, and it just confused the shit. Robinson yeah. sack too oh, at the beautiful. very end of that half. Oh man! Regardless of the the repercussions that that may have you know lent to the to the rest of the game, but he beat like two All American future NFL linemen and like just bullied him. Just yeah, and then just gave and Morgan a kiss, him. like yeah. just <laughs> right in the face. Yeah. 
But yeah, he he was doing great. Uh, Caleb Tanner was all over the place. Mathis yeah. was flying around. I thought that it was Mathis's best game as a Husker so far. Yeah, he was really really effective, and and not just you know getting sacks, but also just being in the backfield, disrupting, um, showing off his speed, his athleticism, just really you know making a name for himself in that game. Yeah, Minnesota had given up seven sacks going into that game through eight games. Uh, Nebraska had four, so they had, they had almost half of what. Or what? More than half of what Minnesota had allowed in a yeah. in those prior eight games. I mean, they were, yeah, they look they look great, and they're doing this without Nick Henrich at, at linebacker. You still got yeah. you got Houseman still learning on the yeah, on who, the fly. Who's, who's growing? I mean, you're you're just, you're still seeing that he's a freshman, mm-hmm. but you're also seeing he's making some plays in the backfield. He's 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 a sure tackler, but it's it's he's just still figuring out the game. Yeah, right? him, and, him and Maga Clements are are rotating in and out, and I think they're doing a good job there. And it's another testament to to uh, what Bill Bush is doing. He's taken over a defense that that was reeling and then had some key injuries. Um, and he's still f- found a way in conference play against a just meat grinder of a, of a schedule, right? Like these, these offenses that are either going to ground and pound you or like with Purdue where they're just going to like dink and dunk and try to, you know, death by paper cuts. Um, he's got his guys ready to play week in and week out. And so that that has been impressive, definitely. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to to say other than that on the defense. I mean, I thought I thought they pitched a good game, and I thought that they gave the offense a chance. You know, time in and time, they even got that stop on fourth down that they went back and reviewed and stopped him by a half yard. And Fleck was so scared of our defense that they, he decided to punt. That was was that, that not the wow, weirdest decision? That was, a t- I, that was that was a mind boggling decision. You just I don't you, know how you punt I, there. You I know, really don't. I I can understand where you're thinking. Okay, the past eight drives we've given up three points. This team hasn't really moved the ball against us. We've gotten a turnover. They're gonna they're gonna go for home run balls. They don't have a whole lot of timeout. They don't have any timeouts left at that point. So I'm I'm sure he's like I trust our defense. The defense has been playing well, but also it's kind of like why didn't Illinois just run it down our throats? Why didn't they just line up, put 88 in motion, and just run behind their tight end like they'd been doing all game? Like we knew it was coming. They knew it was gonna come. They still were gonna get the half yard. Yeah, they hadn't. My thing is like I. I I get you having confidence in your defense, making the stop, but your offense has the ball. If you have confidence in your offense and you have the ball, run the run the ball. Like don't you you leave. I think you just leave way too much up to to chance. Yeah. Um. In Nebraska, was able to move the ball. Like yeah. Logan was in, and he and they just put points on the board for the first time in however many drives right before, uh, right before that, and so. Uh, yeah, you have Mo Ibrahim for like. Yeah, it's not it's not rocket. No, science. I don't I don't I don't condone the decision. It's not the decision I would have made, and it's not the decision Mo Ibrahim would have made as he was trying to run on the field and change the yeah, entire, he, which oh, was a man, baller he, move. That yeah. was a very cool move. Yeah, I was like, man, that's yeah. I I honestly I like I like Mo Ibrahim. Yeah. I do. I'm not gonna then lie. They told that story about Ramadan, how he like works out early in the morning so that he can like show his you know religious respect and like yeah. i was like man this he sounds like a good dude does, why yeah. is he playing for fact <laughs> right. why is he playing for a guy who wears capris with a leisure suit like i don't understand <laughs> but then it's like well i get his decision making process if he thinks capris go well with that suit right you see that picture yeah, yeah. that's circulating <laughs> yeah where he's doing like beat poetry or whatever <laughs> oh um, man and, yeah so d- defensively the defense did what they needed to do to win this game and, and you think you know if the offense is able to elongate a few drives three or seven points 
are held back, you know, from from that game. It's it's a completely different ball game if if the offense can get first downs in two of those series, Ever right? Like the just, way that that clock's running. You yeah, th- Nebraska had how many how many plays have been run against this defense in the past few weeks? Like how many minutes have they spent on the field? Yeah. These guys have to be just worn out. Yeah. And, and yet they they still show fight. They and they're still, still going. And the, and yeah, they like they gave up twenty points, but seven of those were on a short field. Yeah. Um, after after the turnover, and they and they made the stop when they needed to to at least give Nebraska's offense the ball back and give them a chance. You yeah. know, regardless of what uh, decisions were made um, by the opposing coach, they they did what they had to do in that situation. Yeah. Well, then moving into special teams. Uh, Brian Buschini just had a game. I mean, I know that he had to punt quite a bit, but I think he averaged like 55 yards per punt with a long of 61, and punt coverage was fantastic on the day. Yeah, I thought Nebraska just was was great in, in that aspect of the game. Um, I was a little disappointed that we didn't see a few more uh, attempts at blocked punts, you know, being the aggressor on that. There but was, I can understand that they were maybe playing a field position game, and they were like, "Okay, let's let's just secure the ball. Let's make sure that nothing funky goes wrong." And uh, I think Minnesota might have been a little prepared for it too. Like they were doing some things. It might have like, been, but there was one. I think it might have been the very first punt where Nebraska got about three or four guys off of the their left side, Minnesota's right, that all just got through, and it looked like they were going to get get the block. And so it felt like because that was I, that was early on. It felt like, okay, they obviously were scouting and scheming, and they know something. And so then to have two punts out of Minnesota's own end zone. Where they give them just clean cover. And it's just like, let's just keep some guys there so no one runs yeah, for a first down. Yeah, it was down. like, man, like I really would have liked to see if they if it, if it, if they had something on Minnesota, I really would have liked to see some, some pressure there. Yeah, because, I mean, you more. can always just let the ball hit the ground. Right, you can. You don't yeah. have to. You don't have to receive the ball. It's like take the chance, and, right. and and that's that's almost goes back into talking about the offense, where the offensive line is having to play pass protection even on run plays. You you go from being the aggressor, and football to me is not a game where you can sit back and let the game come to you. You've got to be the aggressor. Yes, which is game. why again, why I don't agree with PJ's. I hate having his name in my mouth with his decision to not run the ball right. on that fourth is because again yeah he's he's not being the aggressor in that situation when it calls for it but um the one punt i think that Bushini will want back uh and i marked this drive down when it happened we, we were up 10 to nothing um our defense at the time had given up had had forced three straight punts they had, minnesota ran 16 plays for eight total yards they had complete control of this game um Nebraska gets the ball inside of Minnesota territory, and then they have a they crap their pants right like they have the false start off the bat. Purdy takes the sack, um, and and that was that was the play where it was very evident that like it's like Purdy is not Casey Thompson. Purdy cannot move in the pocket, escape pressure, and keep his eyes downfield. Yeah, he he's not developed that ability yet. Um, anyway, so they they end up punting from a midfield. And Bushini punts it into the end zone. Yeah, um, and I marked and I I as I I take notes during games and I put my little asterisks and I said go like mark this down because if if things turn like that's a huge series right there. Your defense is kicking ass. I can say that because the beer. Yeah, the, yeah, it's not a naughty word. Um, the it's your also defense is in the Bible. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the defense is kicking ass. Um, 
Minnesota just gave you a, a half a field, and even if you can just get the field goal, even if you, your offense can just kind of stumble forward and, and you uh, kick the field goal, you're still getting points there. Not only do we not get the points, um, but we go three and out and we give them the ball back right away. We get our defense right back on the field, um, and we don't do anything to control the the field. We don't you know pin them deep or put more pressure on them. It's like no, it's kind of a wash at mm-hmm. that point. And so I mark that that down. I think Bushini probably wants that one back. I know the offense would want that one back too. So um, just that one. And I, yeah, well you know they a lot of them. I mark that down. And I'm like, Nat, where, you know. Did you mark that one down? I, yeah, I, how many times have I said that? <laughs> I don't know. But I, at the time, I was thinking, like, I'm not really going to come back to this. We're totally in control of this game. And then I had to go back to it. So. Well, on that happy note, Nebraska falls just short 20 to 13 against Minnesota. And. At least uh, we don't have to listen to Scott Frost talk about how close we are in the pressers this year. That's true. We do have a coach who takes ownership and who is yeah. honest and who says, yeah, you know, we we messed up in, in this up. moment, in this moment, and in this moment. We could have done better. We're going to have to go back to the tape. We're going to spend 24 hours on it, and we're going to turn our attention to Michigan, which is what we're going to do yes. in just a moment. Before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner. <laughs> Way to have your ducks in a row. Uh, our show partner is the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, One of You Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer industry has a $600 million impact in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting small local businesses, something that's important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. All right, well, it's time for another away game for Nebraska. We're going to take on Michigan at Michigan. And so, as such, we are going to raise a glass to the team up north and celebrate them through a a beer local to them. And, Drew, you have selected the beer for us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we are drinking from Michigan? I did, yeah. So, this is uh, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. This is a like a craft beer... I don't know if there's a Mount Rushmore of craft beers, at okay. least in the IPA realm. This this would be on it. Okay. Um, it is. Uh, it's just it's all Centennial hops. It's it's a dry hopped IPA. Um, so you're gonna get a lot of like citrus and resiny type flavors. But this is considered one of the best IPAs in terms of that like bitter uh, malty hoppy balance. I hate it. So I'm just you kidding. would. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is really nice. Um, you mentioned the citrus notes, and I was like, oh yeah, I really, I really do pick up on that. It's like a tropical, orangey, orange peel sort of vibe going on through it. Mm-hmm. But then it does come with some of that dankness. Like there's a little bit of that resin flavor that comes through that really balances yeah. everything really nicely. So you're not getting a ton of sweetness or a ton of bitter. You're getting kind of a, a nice palette of all things. Yeah. Um, so it's it is. It's a really nice, clean, easy drinking IPA, which IPAs don't always get that that 
they, description. Like yeah, you always they, call an IPA easy drinking. Yeah, I was say like this. This almost leans to me back towards a pale ale than it does towards like the IPAs that you find on the market today. Yeah, I can see it. Um, I think the box described it. What is it? American IPA or the cans? American it's an American IPA. IPA so yeah, it's something that does feel very like familiar. Um, but also feels complex enough to where like you can find it if you want to go searching. So that pale ale comparison, it's like, yeah, I could see a pale ale drinker being like, yeah, that's good, but that's as, that's as close to an IPA I want to get. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is really nice. Yeah, it's a good one. So uh, Bell's is a great brewery. They've got a lot of a lot of good options. I think I've got their porter at home as well right now. And so um, yeah, Michigan obviously is known known for their beer. Michigan's they've got, a, got, they got some a few good beer. heavy hitters. Yeah, yeah, they do. They're 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 full of them. We were talking about this episode, we were describing, you know, talking to each other about what beer should we drink as our sportsman sip. We were not uh struggling to find options. Yeah. We exactly. were not limited in You know when uh, uh so my my dad recently visited Michigan. Yeah. And he texted me from a brewery. Uh you know, just a picture of him drinking a beer and I was like, "Hey, I need to get beer for the sportsman sip for the Michigan episode." I'll send you money. You mind just grab me a, you know, whatever they got? And he goes, sure. And he gets back from Michigan and he goes and get any beer. He brought no beer back. And I was like, that was such a great opportunity to get, you know, some. Something we couldn't get. Yeah, 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 something new and different. Um, But at the same time, you know, Bell's is obviously easily accessible here in Omaha. It's, it's yeah. Pretty much everywhere. So yeah, Bell. I mean, Bell's is a very established name. You find them in in grocery stores, in craft beer yeah. stores, liquor stores. You you name it, you're going to find Bell's there. And and if it's if it's from Michigan, there's a really good chance that it's a solid beer because yeah. I haven't really found a whole lot of bad beers that come out of Michigan. Just Agreed. like right now, there's not a whole lot of bad football <laughs> coming out of Ann Arbor. Right. Ooh, yeah. That's yeah. True. Although, I, well, Mich- the Sparty Sparty beats a, Illinois. We did could they, talk or about. Was that the Nebraska curse? Because I think it's the do Nebraska you, curse. Do you know the numbers on the Nebraska curse? Because I've been keeping. Have you track. been keeping track? Let's hear it. I have. All right. When we did, um, when we were previewing Purdue, that was part of my prediction was, hey, Jeff Brom, don't beat us because your team's gonna go in the tank if you do. Yeah. That's still holding up. Um. So right now, uh, following Nebraska game, teams are five and nineteen Oof. following Nebraska. When after a win on yeah. the season, uh, if they lose to Nebraska, they're seven and eight. So you got a much better chance of having success. Um, of the nine teams to play Nebraska, only North Dakota has a winning record since they squared off. Oh my gosh, um, that's embarrassing to everyone that's else. All of, yeah, all of you are doing terrible. North Dakota has gone six and two since playing against Nebraska. It's a good season, good for them. Um, yeah, it's very good for them. Had a boy, Bubba Schweiger. The next best team, Georgia Southern, is three and four. Oklahoma two and four. Uh, Rutgers is one and two. Nobody else has won a game after <laughs> after playing Nebraska. Northwestern, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana are all over teams who lose to Nebraska. Um, are zero and five following in that very next game. Nobody no, win ha- that win against Nebraska. Teams that win. Yes. Yeah. What? It, yeah. You said teams who lose against Nebraska. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's a much smaller I, sample yeah. size. <laughs> Way backwards. Yeah. If you if you beat Nebraska, you are guaranteed to lose your next game. Over five. Oh my gosh. So we'll see what happens with Minnesota next week. Um, and then one more fun fact. I guess what we're adding. Yeah. Fun I, fact. I threw this in. I have a collection of sad things uh, <laughs> on my phone here. This is the next one up. Nebraska is the only Power Five team to not have played in a bowl game in the last five years because Kansas is bowl eligible this year. So they haven't played in one yet. We we will not. The whole team could get dysentery after that. <laughs> So I think since 2017, only two teams have not played in a bowl. It's Kansas and Nebraska. Oh. But Kansas is 
they they've opted out of not playing in bowl games. They yeah, they were like, you know what, we're gonna, <laughs> you know, we're gonna win. We're, we're gonna, gonna go win ahead and, and and get in there. So Nebraska's the new Kansas. Hey. That being said, there's still three games left on the season. So moving into talking about Michigan football, I'll start off with just the facts, and then we'll dive into talking about uh, all the facets of the game when it comes to the Wolverines. So on November 12th, Nebraska travels to Ann Arbor, Michigan, to take on the Michigan Wolverines at the Big House. Kickoff is scheduled for 2.30 and is set to air on ABC. Michigan is led by head coach Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh is 70-24 and 24 in six seasons at Michigan. Nebraska is led by interim head coach Mickey Joseph. Joseph is 2-4 and four through six games as interim. Nebraska uh, will face Michigan for the 11th time on Saturday, with Michigan holding the 6-4 to four advantage. Vegas has Michigan as a heavy favorite with an opening spread of 24.5 in their favor. So I want to uh, note that you, you type out your just the facts before. You do it ahead of time. Yes. Before we have all the information. So you leave some blanks. Yes. In your notes, and then you fill them in with pen. What is what is typed out, which you were willing to assume, was, quote, Vegas has Michigan as a heavy favorite. <laughs> yeah, the heavy yeah. part? Yeah, <laughs> that I still had that? Yeah, that you knew. And well, so. part of it was... I'll, I'll let you behind the curtain, okay? <laughs> let's 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 have a conversation with the, the Wizard of Oz. Um, I knew they were going to be playing Rutgers. Rutgers mm-hmm. has had kind of a, of a rough spell. Yeah, the past few games. I didn't think that Michigan was going to struggle in the first half against Rutgers, but then Michigan didn't struggle in the second half right. at all, uh, and Rutgers decided to just not show up in the second half, which yeah. is the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just I assumed, and you know, Michigan's a great team. I I really like yeah. the way that Michigan's playing football right now. Uh, I really respect the way that Michigan. I'm careful not to say I respect Harbaugh. Because there's too many pictures of him like playing catch with players without a shirt on oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Like I just sleeping on their couches. Yeah, I mean the guy's weird, but he's a little offbeat. Yeah, yeah, a little's putting it really <laughs> politely. So yes, I did. I did put down that Michigan was going to be a heavy favorite, and I'd be delusional if I didn't think that was going yeah, to be no, true. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. Michigan's offense. Um, I have a, an ongoing theme as I talk about each of these sections and my first opening comment about Michigan's offense is their O-line is the secret to their offensive success. They average only three hurry ups allowed per game. That's better than Purdue. That's better than Illinois. And that's better than Minnesota. They average only three quarters of a sack allowed per game. That's not even possible. And I know, (laughs) right? And McCarthy has only thrown two interceptions all season and completed nearly 75% of his passes just absolutely insane stats but here's here's what blows my mind about Michigan's offensive line Chase Brown of Illinois runs between the tackles 30 percent of the time Mo Ibrahim who we just lost to runs between the tackles 43 percent of the time Blake Corum runs between the tackles 61% of the time that's how much Michigan leans on this offensive line this is an offensive line like built to win the Big Ten, yeah. right? And they they just lean into this identity. And and that's a word that gets thrown out a lot, identity, right? And it gets thrown out a lot. Uh, it was in conversation a lot on Twitter with Nebraska fans talking about like, what is our identity? What are we? And people, I think, mistake that for culture. They think culture and identity are two of the same things. Mm-hmm. You can have a winning culture and a hard-fought attitude and you can do that and you can still win and not have an identity. I think Nebraska... Uh, under Mickey Joseph has a culture 
Yes. Right. Yeah. Hard work, dedication, learn what you're going to do, like buy into what the coaches are saying. And if you succeed, it's on you. If we lose, it's on us. That's, that's kind of like the culture. Right. But when you watch them play on Saturdays, at least on the offensive side of the ball, there's no identity. Correct. What are we? Not Michigan. Michigan is going to. <laughs> that's an identity. Not Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Embrace it. I have in quotes. Fuck you. Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> we're running at you and we're going to move you out of the way. Like yeah. that, that is, that is Michigan football. When you look at it from a statistical standpoint, and then once they've got you, you know, on your heels, you're not able to, to make it home. They're just going to start picking you apart as soon as you start playing honest against the run. And that scares me because they know exactly what they want to do and they haven't been pushed off of that block yet this season. Yeah. And Nebraska's um, as good as the defense has been, they have still allowed teams to essentially operate how they choose to operate. Sure. Um, even if it's to varying degrees of success. Um, yeah, that's a. I was hoping you would you would come in with a, just a little ray of sunshine and hope, but I will tell you right uh, now, I have no rays of sunshine. <laughs> Good. Um, here's I my thing was when when I was looking at their offense, the, I looked at them running the ball. Obviously, they're great at that. They're great at the high efficient uh, high efficiency passes. Right? They're not gonna they're not gonna air raid on you or you know go deep or bombs away, but they are gonna take what they can get through the air um, in a limited fashion, and they stay on schedule. And I think that's the biggest thing is that they um, they run the ball for six and a half, I think almost six and a half yards per carry on first down. God. Like that's that's insane. And when, if, when they throw it on first down, they're completing 75% of their passes for an average of nine yards per attempt and 12 yards per completion. <laughs> like they just don't screw around. Like... <laughs> They they know exactly what they want to do yeah. on first down, and they're gonna do it. Yeah, and they're gonna and and they set themselves up for success, and that's something that uh, Nebraska obviously is lacking in a huge way. Um, Nebraska, success, yeah, success, yeah <laughs> not, success all around, but also like they don't. Nebraska does not set themselves up for success on first and second down. Yeah, that's all Michigan does, and that that and they do that just right. Obviously, like you said, right at the center of. Of the offense, just right up the middle, um, with a with a running back who should be the leading Heisman candidate at this point. I also ran the figures on what this guy does yards after contact as well, and he's he's got a better average yards after contact than Amo Ibrahim or Chase Brown. So not only are they going down the gut, and not only is that offensive line moving people out of the way, but then when linebackers and the secondary get their hands on him, he's going even beyond that, like. We're, we're about to face a very, uh, I don't know, we're going to be very envious of what this offense looks like, I think, when we're watching this game. We're going to say, why don't we have that? Michigan had a similar slump, and they were able to come back full steam, find an identity, find a guy who led on that front. And now they're running an offense that is just really decimating opponents. And, and you might look at the first half of that Rutgers game and have, oh, hey, they went into that game with, you know, they were behind it. They weren't behind, right? They were just setting up their game. And they're like, we're going to stick to who we are because who we are has worked for us. It worked for us last year. It's working for us this year. And it's going to be our key to success is believing in our identity. That's also culture. Believing in your identity is culture. Mm-hmm. Having an identity is your fucking identity, right? Yeah. Tr- trusting, trusting, t- like being able to fall back on what you do um, 
you know, having confidence in the in the plan is it's such a huge part of executing the plan. Um, so that, yeah, again, that's just a differentiation between culture and, and identity is like, I know what I'm going to do. I believe in what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and do it. And when it's not working, I'm going to keep doing it because I know that it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, do you have any negatives against Michigan's um, offense? Because I do. Good. I do not. Oh, okay. So um, <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any, but I will say, so uh, Blake Corum, their running back. Yes. I, mean, was, I know who he, he is. Five. I don't know if you know about him, though. <laughs> he had five straight games of 25-plus carries for 120-plus yards going okay. into Rutgers. Yeah. That streak ended against Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah, because he only ran 20 times for 109 yards and two touchdowns oh, on them. I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> if I was Blake Corum, I wouldn't even show my face in Ann Arbor this weekend. Right? I would say I'm taking the weekend off to find myself. Embarrassing. Yeah. So just. embarrassing because now his streak is six straight games of 20-plus carries and 100-plus yards, and that sounds terrible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And his, six town, his 16 touchdowns, it leads the nation, but it's tied with someone else. Oh, can't even get first yeah. place, can you, Blake? <laughs> um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, this is so. This is interesting. I don't know if this is necessarily this matters. Uh, they have their top eight wide receivers. Uh-huh. Again, they do not lean on their their pass game. Sure, it, they utilize it to an incredible effectiveness. Yeah, um, they just don't lean on it. Top eight receivers. They all average ten yards or more per reception, but none of them average more than sixty yards per game. Oh, that was interesting. Losers. Uh, <laughs> one of the guys that I have to look out for uh-huh. is their tight end, Luke Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he's got 28 of his 30 catches have come on first or second down this year. Okay. Um, so just heads up on him, guys. <laughs> so I don't know. On, I'm assuming Bill Bush is listening. On third down, to, just leave him uncovered. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't. And, don't worry about That's one less guy you got to cover. Yeah. 11 against 10 found their weakness. <laughs> Moving on to talking about Michigan's defense. Oh, Michigan's man. defensive line is their secret to defensive success. Does that sound familiar? I don't feel like these are secrets. I feel like everybody knows these things. Okay. So um, these stats I did, I compiled before the Rutgers game. So I'm not taking that game into effect, okay. but Michigan's entire defense has racked up the following stats before Rutgers, 29 quarterback hits, 92 quarterback hurries, and 34 sacks. 77% of the quarterback sacks are defensive line sacks. So we're not talking about linebackers and secondary. We're just talking about their line, line getting yeah. home. 79% of the quarterback hits came from their D-line. 84% of the quarterback hurries came from their D-line. This defensive line gets home. This defensive line is aggressive. They play downhill, and they are coming at you. And... It's it's similar to what was successful against Minnesota that Nebraska was calling, right? We're going to be the aggressors in this situation. We are going to make you uncomfortable. We are going to throw at you as opposed to play what, against what you're playing, and they do it to great effect. So I have, um, in quotes, fuck you, we're running at you, and we're going to move <laughs> you out of the way. But but then I was like, okay, but you know those stats sound great, but let's compare them to Nebraska. Now, this was before that first half Nebraska had against Minnesota, okay. where Nebraska was very effective getting home. You know, they, they threw a lot of different stunts in there. They were very smart with how they mixed that up. But, uh, again, Michigan had 29 quarterback hits uh, through uh, eight games. Nebraska had 19. Uh, 92 quarterback hurries, 76 for Nebraska. 34 sacks versus 15 
for Nebraska. Um, that being said, Michigan has seen 20% fewer passing plays than Nebraska's defense. That's, a, that's 144 fewer total plays. So they were able to get those numbers with 20% less opportunities <sighs> than Nebraska did. Yeah. So not only are they playing aggressively, but just the, the frequency in which they are able to just have these game-changing plays and these momentum-swinging plays is just is very high. And again, this is why I say I'm, I'm very high on this Michigan team, and, and I think they're going to wind up being the Big Ten champions because I think that they've just got a very solid all-around team that allows them, their linebackers and their secondary, to play sound defense instead of having to try and be the superstars because the defensive line is just taking care of what needs to be done uh, to let those guys succeed. Yeah. What good news do you got for me, Drew? Uh, the good um, news is, let me throw this out there. Yeah. Good news, special teams does not say fuck you. We're running at you, and we're going <laughs> to move they're you out of the way. Kicking at you. Um, 34 sacks, you said? Yeah. Yeah, every defense has 11 on the field, though, right? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> just, just joking about it. <laughs> Uh, that took a second, but that's a yeah, good one. Right. <laughs> um, what do I have for good news? I don't. Um, <laughs> I so some of the, just some of the, I guess some of the things that I'm looking at here. Uh, we we kind of pride Nebraska's defense these past few games for the most part on being that second half defense that's that's shut things down. Um, Michigan does it a lot a lot better. So their past four games, they have allowed 48 points in the first half. This includes Rutgers. The past yep. four games, 48 points, um, which is still not a lot. That's 12 games or 12, 12 games, 12 points per game. Yeah. Um, second half points allowed in those four games, three. Hundred. <laughs> <laughs> three. Penn State has three. Uh, had three against them. Indiana, Michigan State, Rutgers all put up goose eggs. So the, this is a defense that not only are they really, really good to start, but then they just get that much better. They get better. Um, that's pretty incredible. They they don't just adjust ha- half to half. They are – what makes them so dangerous is they adjust in the middle of a play. Um, I was watching – like I was watching a game against Michigan State and watching some highlights, and guys would um, – you know they would have their they would have their pre snap coverages that they would be in charge of, and the play would develop and the ball would go to, it would go out to like a wide receiver and you would see a a corner or a safety, break off of his guy and come fly into the ball. Um, they they make incredible like in like in action reads, um, just to move to the ball and to react to other teams. Like it's I don't know it's incredible man. I'm trying to uh, find, I'm trying to find something good. You know, as as we sit here and talk about this, and it, it probably sounds like we're all doom and gloom about Nebraska facing off against Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think one of the important things to take away, and one of the things that does give me a little ray of sunshine, is how Nebraska has come out early on against Illinois and against Minnesota, okay, and has lived up to this like power run identity. Don't let these defensive lines get into your backfield. Make them go on their back foot. Come at them. And I think if Nebraska is really paying attention and if Mickey is really doing what he says, which is watching the tape and looking at what we're doing to succeed well at, he's going to start to see when we are the aggressors on offense, these defenses who think they are going to be able to come downhill at Nebraska kind of get caught off guard and you can get out ahead of them and you can get out ahead early on before they have a chance to adjust. And so even though this is possibly the best defensive line we're going to face this year, I think that we can still have success early on. I think this is still an opportunity for Nebraska to come out and show some pride 
and show some effort and aggression and maybe surprise some people in how much success they're able to have. Even though these teams have had success against Nebraska and have won these games and they break a 32-game you know, losing streak, being down by 10, what have you, Nebraska still was not expected to be anywhere near coming close to winning that game, and they, they showed that fight. Same thing with Illinois. For, for a long stretch of that game, Nebraska held in that game when they're a disjointed coaching staff that's an Isle of Misfit toys. They've got players who aren't in the right spots because there's injuries. They've got guys who were brought to this school to be you know, offensive players in Scott Frost's offense, and now they're in Mark Whipple's offense, and now there's just this disjointedness. Like, mm. There's a lot of reasons that Nebraska could, like we've talked about, throw in the towel, and yet week after week they still come up with a game plan. They still give their best. And they make them a game. So even with all of this stuff about how great Michigan is, I still 100% expect Nebraska to show up and make it a game because none of this shit matters. Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> she was being complimentary. I know. Us. I know. I know. <laughs> but none of none of the stuff on paper matters when when the game is being played. Because it's like a spin of roulette, right? It doesn't matter what the last spin was. What matters is where the ball lands today and in this moment. And so I, I know that it might sound like we're being dour, but I, I really do believe in this staff's ability to do at least one thing, and that's get these guys ready to put up a fight. Yeah, I can ag- I, I can agree with that. Cool. I, I've, never d- I've never doubted that, I guess. You were shaking your I, head no that entire time. That no, entire monologue. If for what it's worth, I think that I think that if no, no matter who's at quarterback, I think that Nebraska Logan's It better be Logan Smothers. Yeah. If it's not Casey, if Casey's not got to be Logan. Yeah. Um Mich- Michigan's defense, again, they adjust very well. They adjust in the game, in the play, in the half, whatever. But they've had a tendency to allow receivers to get leverage on them um, early on in games. And they do let receivers beat them deep. And that's what Nebraska likes to do. Yeah. The only, the, again, the difference is that Michigan will adjust to that. Um, they will f- they will figure out what the receiver need, is wants to do and what they need to do to stop that. Um, and Nebraska is not um, balanced enough or potent enough in all aspects of that that offensive game where they can adjust. They they rely too much on that deep ball, that sort of that disjointed way of moving down the field. Yeah. Um, so yes, Nebraska could hang in that sense. Um, and I see some of those those shots being taken and maybe even succeeding on some 50-50s. Um, but I, I just don't see the consistency that's that's there. So, I, yeah, I hope they do fight, man. I really do. And I expect them to fight. And I, I don't, you know, I don't see any quitters on this team. Um, Michigan's just good. They are. They're, they're very just, good. They're just that good. So, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not dour to a point where it's like, ah, you know, screw this team and, and, uh, you know, feeling sorry for yourself. It's just this is this the reality. Is, it's just it's, the, it's just yeah. the reality of like your your our team is on a on a skid right now. They haven't been able to to put it together with with this hodgepodge coaching staff um, since the the Rutgers and, and Indiana wins. Um, and Michigan's not the team where you want to try to figure it out. So on either side of the ball, yeah. Well, for special teams, I have that Michigan special team line is their secret to special team success. <laughs> How about that long snapper, huh? Wouldn't it be crazy if I had real stats on that? I don't. That'd I just thought it was funny. I'm so funny. 
Um, Jake Moody is really good uh, as a field goal kicker. He's good from anywhere on the field, uh, 50 plus all the way down to, he hasn't had a try from within the 20 because Michigan's been successful in the red zone. Yeah. We didn't even talk about how we don't need to successfully. We don't need okay. to talk about that. I mean, do you have the stat ready or is it going to be another five minutes? What you no, it, it no, it really is. Like they, I think they scored, um, they score over 90, I think it's close like 96, 97% of the time they score in the red zone. It's yeah. something, it's something stupid. It's yeah. stupid high. I, I'm pretty sure that when I looked up Moody's stats, he has not had a field goal try within the 20. Yeah, like, I, so and I, it's because they can run the ball. And not only can they run the ball uh, effectively in the red zone, they don't pass the ball very much, but when they throw it in the red zone, they have some big-time targets. Yeah. They've got a big wide receiver in Cornelius Johnson, and they got a big tight end that they can throw to. So. Sure, on first and second down, but not on third down. They don't get to third down, they score. <laughs> That's the point. Stop! <laughs> that being said, are you ready for the, the, the best positive I found? Yeah. Brandon Frankie has a higher touchback percentage than Michigan. This game's a lock. <laughs> Go Big Red. Brandon Frankie is an incredible kicker, and I hope he gets more than two opportunities to kick the ball. Yeah. Wait, is that the is that the the fewest kickoffs a kicker could have is one, right? Yeah, at a half. Yeah. So I mean, I, we're gonna score one at least when they put in their reserves. <laughs> that was that was too harsh. Oh my god. I have I have more faith in Nebraska than that. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I love that I our really introduction <laughs> to this new herd at audience is just man. These guys really hate Nebraska, but they love Michigan. <laughs> Good beer, <laughs> great team. I think one guy oh, said he man. respect Harbaugh. <laughs> I got it in for the khakis. I don't know what to tell you. Anything uh, that you have on their special teams? No, I um I I wrote down that special teams matters in all games but it matters especially in close games and that this ain't going to be one of them uh which is just further piling on i think that um i think that we have we have the ability with special teams to not make a dream, like a drastic play that that yeah. flips things cuz like the if you're going to stay if you're going to stay in a dogfight with a team that is as heavily favored as michigan um and you're and you're climbing the mountain the whole game the last thing that you want to do is have a special teams mistake. Yeah. Either a blocked kick or a muffed punt. Um, you know, missed field goals where you you know, you're here's your chance at just putting any points on the board. Mm-hmm. Um you don't want to give anything away on special teams. And I think Nebraska has shown that they can be generally pretty sound in that regard. Um and so at least for special teams, I think their job in this game is to not create a blowout early. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think they can do that. I really do. I believe in that. Perfect. Well, um, yeah. shall we move on to our game predictions for the yeah, Michi- yeah. Michigan game? Yeah, the Michigan Um, If I can find mine. I will How about I start while you find out no, where you, you... I got one. I feel like you said you have a doozy. And so... Well, I mean... So, all right. I, I got my mine. I, I didn't say it was a doozy. I said mine's the most batshit insane one <laughs> I've written. <laughs> and I've written some insane ones. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, and so doozy is a... Synonym for that. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Northwestern hung with Ohio State last week. Rutgers gave Michigan all they could handle early, taking a lead into halftime. It's like they say, any given Saturday. Just not this one. Not for us. <laughs> oh my God. Be sure to thank Alabama and Clemson for losing this past week, as Michigan will not feel the need to go for style points. They play a safe game to ensure the win. Michigan 40, Nebraska 20. Oof. I don't, I don't think it's going to be close... I don't think it's going to be a complete embarrassment either. 
Yeah. I think I think it's going to be another game where you you can look at some playmakers. You can maybe look at Anthony Grant. Um, hopefully one of our receivers has another big game or like Volklev has a has a good game where it's like okay, like these you know, these guys are still plugging away. They're still putting up some good stats. They're still making us cheer on plays. Um, they're not giving up. I, I think that really, like, as much as I hate to say it, like, as a fan, like, you want to win. Like, that's yeah. that's it. Like, that's the bottom line, right? That's everybody wants to win. You want to win. Um, and that's what ultimately uh, it all boils down to. Um, but but you with a team like this where it's like, and you feel like you see the writing on the wall with a lot of um, a lot of things, uh, I just don't want to. I just want to see them continue to fight hard and and and, and play hard and and they, who knows they might surprise people. Well, when I read my prediction, just remember that Michigan was a playoff team last year and we took them yep. to the wire last year. So that's true. That's a that man. That's a distant memory. Is it? Because it, it was fresh in my mind. <laughs> Names are a funny thing, aren't they? Take my last name for example, Klingemann. Klingel is the German word for bell. And man, spelled with two N's at the end, is the German word for man. You could assume, based on my last name, I come from a long line of bellboys. But if you dive deeper into Germanic language, you would come to find out that Klinge is German for blade. So either my family lineage includes insecure bellboys who drop the L and attempt to sound cool, or, more likely, my family history includes a proud knife-making tradition. Pretty neat. (laughs) So what if we apply this same detective work to Jim Harbaugh? What would his last name tell us about Nebraska's trip to Michigan's big house? Well, Harbaugh is the Americanized version of the German Harbach. Harbach is a variant of the Mid-English Harbage or the French Herberge. Those familiar with Mid-English or 13th century French can already smell the punchline. (laughs) Harbage or Herberge both were occupational names for the keeper of a large lodging house. On first glance, it would appear Jim Harbaugh was born with the perfect name to be the keeper of the big house. But turn just one more page, and you find the Arbage or Herberge weren't masters of the house or keepers of the inn. That's a Les Mis joke for musical theater fans out there. Are there any? <laughs> <laughs> the Herberge were the ones who organized the lodging for guests and soldiers. Jim Harbaugh comes from a long line of medieval travel agents. Now you, <laughs> might, now, you might be saying, that was in the past, almost a thousand years ago, to which I would say, I'm a Husker fan, baby. All I have is the past. <laughs> so let's march into Ann Arbor and pound on the gates with the fury and fight of 85 soldiers looking for a place to claim as their own. Then we will find out if Harbaugh is truly the keeper of his house or simply an Arthurian-era precursor to Expedia.com. <laughs> Names still mean something, even if they've evolved over time. Nebraska 32, Michigan 31. Wow. You know what's crazy? I put that number down, and that's the LSU-Alabama score. Oh, that's crazy. That's David taking down Goliath. Now, yeah. I know that LSU was ranked 10th and Alabama was 6th. Was it's that not, really yeah, David and Goliath? That was a great game, first and foremost. Yeah. I and Nebraska could end the same way. To be fair, I didn't watch it. I was too busy Did watching. you not see the end of that game? I was too busy watching my Phillies lose. Okay. Anyways, we're going to beat this travel agent because travel agents are irrelevant in today's time. <laughs> Oh man, that was that was a fun prediction. You I like that one. I, I I'm just not gonna give up hope. It's it's my team, and I'm not saying you are. I'm, that's not me projecting that you're giving up hope. I'm just saying that when it comes to the 30 <laughs> seconds or the minute that it takes me to read my prediction, you will not hear me say Nebraska is gonna lose. Yeah, that's and that's great. I I <laughs> good 
for good you. I know what it is. Like a good for you. Like way to hold on to Bless your his heart. Fandom. And I, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna like drag myself from like. Oh, I guess I gotta watch another like Nebraska loss. No, like I'm gonna go into it excited about this game. I mean, it's, um, you know, even like all things aside, it's like it's Nebraska versus Michigan. Like this is a, on the 25th anniversary. Yeah, it's a it's like a big you know like helmet game is yeah. what you would call it, right? Um, Nebraska's helmet's a little scuffed right now. That's all. It's got some, you know, grass stains on it. And yeah, the ends and Michigan's got the and... best helmet in college football, uh, arguably. Ooh, arguably, arguably, it's a pretty good helmet. It is a nice helmet. Um, it's to me, this is weird. It's too weird. It's too out there compared to like. What are you talking about? It's got the fan. It's got like the weird little wings yeah. and, st- and the stripes and stuff. Because Wolverines have wings. And yeah, <laughs> it makes no sense to me. But it looks good. Um. It I looks, mean, okay. It looks fine, but like we're all the other overall uniform, it's Tulane. But if we're talking about like specific <laughs> helmet, yeah, Michigan's got yeah. a pretty good helmet. I don't know. I uh, I don't know. Like to me, like the for college football, it's just the clean classic. Like Alabama's got a nice helmet, numbers on the side. Nebraska's mm-hmm. a nice helmet. It's got a and on the side, right? Yeah. The Buckeyes, they get the little stickers on I that hate helmet. Those stickers. You hate them. I oh, hate them. See, and I like the it's silver with the red stripe. I don't mind the helmet. What I hate is the stickers, and and the reason that I hate that it's stickers is it almost took kind of the allure from uh, away from helmets, where everyone's helmets are decorated with stickers. They're not painted on mm-hmm. because you can see the stickers over the air vents, and I I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> like that bothers me so much. Not a fan of stickers. Huh? And it's just a guy okay. who puts stickers on a helmet. <laughs> like it's like a guy who went to some pizzeria in the '90s and got a sticker out of the coin thing. And then he was like, I'm going to put this on my helmet. Oh, man, I love those. Going to, like, Pizza Hut? Yeah, or, like, Johnny Sortino's in Omaha. Or, like, you know, you go to a Godfather's that had a good game room. And you get a sticker. And you're like, I'm going to put this on my bed. And your parents (laughs) are like, take that off your bed. We paid so much for your bed. (laughs) Okay. But it says skate till I die. (laughs) You're not a skater. (laughs) I know, but it said skate with an eight. (laughs) Oh, Oh, should be a fun game. I hope I hope so. Yeah, it'll you know be what? it'll be fun to yeah root for the for the uh, Scarlet and Cream. There you go. Well, pivoting away from talking about football games specifically, we've we've done a lot of talking on this podcast about how we're both in support of NIL, how we're both huge fans of players playing and representing Nebraska, how like it's it is an honor and it's something that we respect a whole lot about these kids putting themselves on the line. Um, I've made some NIL purchases. You've made some NIL purchases and you've brought one of those purchases along, uh, which is the, well, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to take the thunder from you. That's Why don't right. you tell us what, yeah. tell us what you brought, Drew? We, so the pipeline jerky just came out. It's a, it's, it's a, they just released this. Um, it's homegrown meat. Right, right out of the ground. Right? Just homegrown. <laughs> they planted the meat seeds. They- <laughs> <laughs> The offensive line is behind this. They they went through with the whole the designing and the release and all that stuff. And so I you know I, I saw it on uh, Twitter. They announced it, and I had to have it because I love jerky anyway. But then any time that you have a chance to support the team and the players and their endeavors, um, I try to jump on it when I can. So uh, this was a cool one. Um, I will say so. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break my rule here. This is my first f bomb on the episode, and it's gonna be a good one. So here it is. Um, they, they announced that they were releasing the pipeline jerky and it's the O-line. And obviously those guys have taken a lot of heat this year, um, as they, they've struggled and, and whatnot. There was 
if you want to talk about gratuitous, there was a gratuitous amount of response to to this from you know quote unquote fans. Fuck you, fuck you, people for uh, saying whatever you had to say, you know, behind your little yeah. keyboards to the offensive line. All the jokes and the quips and whatnot was just just so fucking unnecessary. Like, stop shitting on people. Just don't be a sh- don't be a don't be a shitty fucking person. Just be a good person and support your fucking team for fuck's sake. So anyway, that was five. That I was, was counting. Was, you, know, <laughs> you just uh, man, you've been boiling up. Oh man. So yeah, if if, if there's anything more frustrating than watching. Uh, Nebraska blow a ten point lead as they as as the coaches make a bad uh, game plan and adjustments. It's more frustrating just to to watch quote unquote Nebraska fans shit on their team. Like, like just don't why just don't do it. Just don't be a yeah. don't be a shitty person. Anyway, no, I uh, we're gonna so we're gonna try this. I'm I love jerky. They've okay. got they have the they have beef jerky which is a peppercorn flavor, and then they also have pork jerky which is a honey barbecue. Well, you open, go ahead and open those up. Okay. Um, and I have a question for you when it comes to jerky. First off, Ooh, right. top five road trip food. I mean, beef jerky oh, is yeah, like yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. in the car. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite jerky flavor? Like, what's your go-to if you're going to get a thing of beef jerky? Pepper. I love. I love just black pepper. That's crack, mine too, man. Yeah. That's mine too. That's why I grabbed go. the. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> the beef pepper. I got stuck with honey barbecue. It actually, smells really good. Oh my god! I ruined the package. I didn't get it open. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. That's fine. You're gonna struggle. I'm just gonna see you and chew. Okay, chew away. I can't get this bag open. Oh my god! Here if, we go. If Ben has one complaint about pipeline jerky, it's the bags. This is so good. Oh, that peppercorn's nice, ma'am. Yeah. If you have the opportunity to look it up, pipeline jerky. Um, they have their own website. You can buy it directly from them. Obviously, it supports Nebraska's uh, offensive line, and not just these guys, but you know, moving forward and in the future. And any opportunity you have to support these guys. My favorite hat is my beef jerky hat. Mm, yeah, I will proudly be wearing that when we go to the Iowa game in Iowa City. Yep. Yep. I want to. That's that's been my actually. It's a funny story because I actually ran into Cam Jurgens' parents at a trade show. And I complimented this taller gentleman, uh, very, very broad and very strong and um, somewhat intimidating, but very nice guy. And I was like, I really love your hat. Like, I, I think that Cam's done a great job with his NIL. That's a really cool hat. He goes, oh, thank you. It's my son. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. well, I'm going to put my order in now, sir. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I saw the hat in person. I was like, man, that's that's great. So, yeah, yeah the beef jerky is fantastic. Yeah, um, they did good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well. Drew, I think we should we should put a bow on this episode. It's been a good one. It's been a fun one. It's been effing fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to call in and leave a message on the Wannabe Talk-Ons hotline at 402 427 0258 you just might be featured on our show but we also recognize that some things are failed experiments and that maybe we should stop trying to make fetch work i repeated that joke from last week because i thought it was funny (laughs) remember to do your part drink local beer wherever you are if you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendations join us next week as we react to the michigan game join us next week as we react to the michigan game Preview Wisconsin and sample beer from Corn Coast Brewing in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Fuck. (laughs) 